Welcome back to the COO's Corner Podcast. And today we're going to continue our discussion with John Knotts on Is the COO the new CEO? And we kick off our discussion on the whole matter of building operational resilience. And we'll continue on the matter of strategy and also unpack when do you know that you need a COO and more. So please stay tuned. the reasons why I even started this podcast is seeing, you know, what has been happening to, to the operations on our whole in businesses when, when this pandemic hit and how persons have responded or not responded <laughs> and what the impact has been on their organization as a whole. And, you know, unfortunately, some are not around today, um, but I have seen some who have thrived. And, you know, I think this is a great platform to just share insights that can help persons to really, you know, build their responses to, to these probabilities that can happen and how they respond, recover, and even um, thrive in the long run as a result of it, of the, of the opportunities that exist, because there are opportunities. And, you know, so we have heard some of the tips in terms of a fractional COO, having an advisory board. Um, you know, on that note, John, what does the whole matter of resilience in operations, what does that mean to you and how you think persons can, you know, our organizations can really build this resilience? So, well, when I think of resilience, I think of a rubber band. And it's the ability to stretch and then re respond and bounce back and then get back to business as usual. Business as usual is not as usual anymore, <laughs> no, but it's unusual. <laughs> it's yeah. It's funny because this whole concept of I'm too busy to actually plan. The reason why you're so busy is because you don't have a plan. I know, I know what I'm doing this entire week. I have it written down. It's in my book. It's yes. in my plan. Yes. I know why I'm doing it. And if something happens, if I get hit with some surprise, I just go to the plan and say, okay, what do I need to adjust? What happens is people are busy fighting fires because they don't take the time to plan. So everything is like an earthquake. It's just tearing apart the business because they don't have any true north to be driving to. They're like, hey, this is our focus, heads down. The biggest thing that I said when the pandemic happened last year and late in 2019 for you know places that were more in Asia. Right. The biggest thing I said is focus on your strategy. Mm -hmm. If you focus on your strategy, you live to your core values, you will get through this. And what happened is people stopped focusing on their strategy or they didn't have one and they had no idea what to do. And that really measures up to a lack of planning, whether it's strategic planning or it's preparedness planning. And resilience is all about that preparedness planning, 
it's managing to that risk, the potential risks that are out there. Yeah. People yeah. will tell you, oh, you couldn't plan for the pandemic. I will totally disagree with that because <laughs> I own a horse farm. Okay. It's one of the five businesses. My wife and I, we bought a hundred acres and we're running a horse farm. We have now we have 43 horses on property. The first year that we had the horse farm, the first thing, one of the first things that we did is we created a disaster preparedness plan. When you have a bunch of horses on property and you have something like say a wildfire, Yes. And it gets dry here in Texas. Not right now because it's very green. We have a lot of rain, but it normally gets very dry, which right. means you could have a wildfire happen. And that can be very dangerous to horses that are trapped in little paddocks, you know, little corral areas. So what do you do if something like that happens? And the big things here in South Texas, the two main things that we have to deal with is flooding because we get a lot of flash floods. It dries up here and then all of a sudden it just storms wow. for like a week and we have flooding everywhere. Or during the winter, although we don't get harsh winters except for this last one, we get, we always have some kind of freeze. And when mm. it freezes on a property that's 100 acres in size, you got pipes that are going to be breaking. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to get water to horses and which is they drink, you know, all day long. Gallons. <laughs> so when you start, when I, when I started looking at all of the, you know, my wife and I, we were brainstorming, what are all the things that could happen? And then we put it into the matrix, just mm -hmm. regular risk management, mm -hmm. likelihood impact. Impact. Exactly. And it, okay. Here were the two things that were the most important. So we created a checklist for each one of them. Mm -hmm. What should we do? And every time that we see there's the potential of either one of those happening, everybody here on the farm knows how to pull out the checklist and start running it, gassing up the vehicles, making sure that we have hay and feed and medicine, you know, because we may not be able to get to that stuff. Having, we have a, we have a submersible pump that we put into our pool that runs water into troughs so that we can bail water into troughs out in the pastures in right. case our well shuts down. Wow. So there, you know, like little things when the pandemic happened, all we did is sat down in one day, usually one is like two hours. We pulled out both of the checklists and we went through each one of them and made a third checklist. It was like a mastermind concept. Yeah. Yes. The, the, the higher brain was the new checklist. Yes. And there were a couple of things that I thought was going to happen. I, I thought that there was going to be a, a shortage of gas and there was going to be a big run on gas. That didn't happen. I also thought that there was going to be a run on banks. Mm -hmm. So we pulled a bunch of cash out. We mm -hmm. were prepared. Didn't happen. I didn't plan for a run on toilet paper, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody really did. <laughs> Somebody sitting on that toilet paper throne today. Yes. I, I'm but sad. Better, but better be prepared than, than sorry. And that's, that's really what you're, what we're seeing here. But if and you had that preparedness plan with those checklists, you could have done the same thing. So, so to our listeners, John, I would say if you have not touched your strategy in a year and a half, something is wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. As soon as that pandemic hit, you should have, you know, picked up your strategy and see, okay, what needs to be changed, right? So at least twice you should have looked at your strategic <laughs> plan to see, okay, um, 
am I focusing on the right things? And as John mentioned, you know, um, are we living in line with our values, right? So if, if, for example, one of your values is care, are you showing that to your stakeholders, to your internal and external uh, stakeholders? They need to feel that. So if you're not being true to what you are saying, then you're going to have a disconnect and you're going to have all kinds of problems happening and wondering why am I not operating at the optimal you know why am i not getting the results i know i can get and these are some of the reasons why so when we go into an organization and you know trying to to see what you know what what's causing the lack of performance sometimes it goes right back to your strategy mm-hmm. <laughs> and really following that you know if you even have one that. if Let's you even have that. one start with the first question does it exist right and the and se- one <laughs> and, and go ahead, John. The, well, the second, the second question after that is it written, <laughs> and the third is do you follow it? Yes, because yeah. I'll have a lot of people that tell me, "Oh yeah, I have a strategy," and I ask them, "Let me see it." Well, it's in my head. Oh no! <laughs> so I'm like, all right. Well, then that really doesn't exist because no. you're just changing your mind whenever it suits you. You got to write it down. And then you got to follow it and you have to yeah. be able to show me how you follow it with a process. And just like what you just mentioned, you have to share it with those who are going to help you to achieve that plan. Right. Because, you know, then how are they going to know how to support you? Right. Um, you know, we're going to need all hands on deck, especially in these situations. So it has to be communicated and it has to be action, but you have yes. to have it in the first place. <laughs> right. Yep. So, so John, I want to shift now to a little bit more about you as a COO, right? Um, in res- in retrospect, is there one unique situation which you you know you thought was really funny or really frustrating, and and how you overcame that as a COO? So it may seem funny now, but during that time it was really frustrating and this came from my last um this question came from my last interview of another coo and i i thought that i'm gonna ask the next person the same (laughs) (laughs) put him on the hot seat yeah (laughs) you know so my wife and i we opened up this horse farm and she's the she's the ceo she's the president of the horse farm Right. It's, um, you know, minority owned. So she's got the share of the ownership. She is the horse person. Yes. I'm the business person. Gotcha. So I'm the business end of the horse. <laughs> <laughs> but Not- <laughs> yeah, that's right. I like to tell people that. <laughs> but what, what happened was I, I recognized my book or overcoming organizational myopia is all about silos. And originally I I figured that silos were only in big organizations that I worked with. But what I discovered is that silos exist everywhere. You just have to learn to find them. Here at the farm, we have six and I can name them. Like my wife and I, we are a silo. We're the leadership silo. Right. We have our own direction. This is what we're doing. And although we may tell everybody else, what it is, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily focused on it. They're focused on the things that are right in front of them. Exactly. Right. So 
one of the things as we were growing, I recognized we did not, I was not operating as a COO. We have a barn manager and we had a property manager Mm -hmm. and my wife was running the business and I was just kind of, I was handling the marketing and sales aspect of it, mainly the marketing piece of it and making sure that we had exposure and we had people that were coming in with interest and generally you know, that was closed through, sometimes I closed the sales, but generally it was closed by the barn manager or one of the trainers. Right. Well, as we were growing, I started to recognize this move away from values. Mm. And there were values that we knew we had, but nobody else really understood them. And there was a lot of infighting between the groups. And it became apparent that I needed to step in. So I took over as the chief operating officer for the business and made sure that all the time I'm talking about what's the purpose of our organization, what are our values, that's not in line with our value. That is, you know, reinforcing the behaviors and stopping the ones that aren't good. And we, we actually had an employee that was here and we've gone through our fair share, but that person was difficult for uh, the women that were here to get along with. Right. Right. And I had to take a very, you know, strict Strict. approach and it started with, all right, I'm going to tell you exactly what you're going to do so that you understand it. Now he was prior military. I was retired military. So kind of had that military master sergeant you know it's like okay i'm gonna listen to this guy so so was it a gunfight that happened well it it finally just boiled down to it, it wasn't gonna continue so right. as a, as an office space not a not a, not gonna work here anymore <laughs> <laughs> and i ended up letting the person go but continued in that role because i recognized that there was that was getting away you know as your business grows it's you have to continually examine and look at those things. And that was a scale decision. A lot of people confuse growth and yes. scale yeah. and they want to say, oh, well, scale is just another way of growing. No, it's not. Scale is what you do when you grow. You, your complexity gets added. More work gets added. Yes. You have to adjust yes. the way you operate. And some Absolutely. of it is. You need to get back on your strategy and you need to make sure everybody, now that your organization has gone from, you know, we had like five people here to 12, you know, just doubling that. Now people don't really understand like the reason we're here. Cause we- you raise a very important point that, you know, and I've, I've seen, I've seen this even in corporate where they are growing. There is nobody handling operations. There's a lot of, um, turnover, a lot of issues, even if they are very small, you know, with communication and just engagement, etc. Seeing, the, you know, and for, you know, getting the buying or sign off that you need somebody to handle the operations and that the CEO yeah. can't do everything. It's sometimes hard to get through to persons, but your, your example just shows that this is absolutely necessary. And so, it, it, it can happen to anybody. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the whole thing is, is that things are, are changing. So I, 
I wrote an article. I think it was in 2020 for Forbes. Oh, Forbes, right. And it talked about what are the signs that you need a COO? When, you know, like if you were to assess your organization and you're the CEO and you're sitting there and going, do I really need this? The first question is, are you spending all of your time working in the business and not on the business? Because there's a good chance that you're trying to run everything you're trying to do. And you said that at the very beginning, that sometimes the CEO and the COO are the same person. Yes. When When that's the situation, you end up, as you grow, you end up spreading yourself too thin. And you have to focus on fighting the fires because that's where the work is being done. So you're not working on the strategy. You're not working on the future. If you go home every day feeling that you're overwhelmed and you're struggling, Mm -hmm. you probably need a COO. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. If, if you know that in your leadership team that you manage, they need strengthening but you don't know how to do it, you need a COO. Because a COO, their job is not only to be the mentor and the coach to the CEO, but also to the other, the other leaders in the organization. And lastly, if you know that you need to grow and scale your operations, but you, don't, you can't get there, you probably need a COO to come in because that's the job of the CEO is to grow, scale, and improve your organization, your operations. I think you just, you just um, gave us a lot of gems just now, John. Um, you know, when do you know? So do, these are the markers, guys. <laughs> when you see that red ink. <laughs> That well, that's the biggest thing is we don't really understand what's happening. No. Management uh, leaders, they're paid to do a job. They're, they're responsible for it. And they, they don't understand really what's happening because they've never dealt with it before. Especially when you have a growing organization, yeah. you're growing into new territory. You've never, you've never experienced and, this. And John, many, many just live in the frustration every day yeah, and not, not realizing, hey, there's something that needs to be added to the structure to make this work. Yeah. And the answer to that is a COO. Right. So we want to thank you for that, John. And you know And it might be a fractional COO. <laughs> it might just be a fractional <laughs> COO. And we love that. <laughs> so for the persons who are probably um, thinking of becoming a COO, John, right? Or a fractional COO, you know. What, what for you and from your experience, what, what has been, you say, the question that you always ask that give you, you know, the kind of information you need to act? What, what is one, the one question you ask your teams, right? That usually as a leader throughout your career, that has helped you in terms of making the next step, making the next move. So, well, let me see if I clarify the question. So somebody that's working for me is interested in becoming a COO and what would I tell them? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Or well, what has worked for you? So in your this, is, this has career. been a discovery process for me because when you go out there and if you were to do a little Google search out there, 
what would we do without Google? <laughs> if you did a Google search right now and you said, what does it take to be a COO? There really isn't any guidance out there. Yeah. Most of the time, nobody's really clear on what the definition of a COO really is. But what I have learned is that you need to establish a roadmap and you need to say, okay, here's some things that I need to accomplish in my life. I'm going to have to work in more than one company in operations. That's going to have to happen. Right. Because if, I'm, if I spend all my time in one company and try to grow up to be the COO, I really don't have any broad experience. It could be all in the same industry. It might be in different industries, but you really need to know operations. You better, because it's operations, you better understand project management process improvement as a minimum. It's really helpful to understand how to stand up a PMO, what their job is, understanding agile, and understanding change management. Absolutely. Because in operations is where the bulk of process improvement and project management occurs. Absolutely. Yes, it happens throughout the organization. Don't, don't get me wrong that process improvement occurs everywhere and projects occur everywhere. We yeah. do everything in projects, but the majority of it, how work gets done is usually done through that effort. Yeah. And the majority of the major processes to drive stuff yes. are within your operations. I really agree with that. And I have been doing some research myself and I'm, I'm finding that change management is one of the key ones that they're going to need as a COO going oh, forward. And one that of the big things for a leader's big. perspective is really to understand the concept of change readiness. Change management is very much, it's happened and now we have to manage the change. In today's yeah. day and age, you are behind the power curve when you're managing the change because there's too much change happening. That's why, they have, that's why we measure change saturation because we just have too much change occurring not because of necessarily our business. It's just because of what's happening around us. Yeah. So what I, what I would implore leaders to do is to figure out what change readiness really means and how to achieve that. Right. So those are like, okay, this is your roadmap starts with, you're going to have to have this operational experience. Then I expect you at some point to open up your own business and learn what it means to be a CEO. It doesn't matter if it's successful or not. It doesn't matter the size. Nice. But, you know, <laughs> open up a side business, something that actually teaches you all of the S because you're going to learn marketing. You're going to learn sales. You're going to learn HR. You're going to learn finance. You're not going to be good at any of it, <laughs> but unless you already are good at it. But yeah. what it does is it really teaches you, oh, okay, all this stuff is really important to make this work and you get to understand what that CEO is going to be faced with. Exactly. Or that marketer or that IT person. So you're speaking, yeah. you, you, you can more relate to what, what's happening and can connect with them better to break down those silos. So that's, that's exactly. absolutely important. And, um, you know, going, I think, so if you are a person thinking of being a COO, John has just highlighted you know, what needs to be done. So John, for you as a, a leader in, in your career, what's the number one question you have used um, in, as, in leadership in your career? You know, persons normally have one question that they always ask that just gives them 
you know. The question that they ask me? No. Or the question no, I you, ask them? You ask persons, the teams that you manage. What's, the, what's that question? So I'm going to seek out your curiosity. I have realized that if you want to be a leader, you have to be able to ask why. So when I'm telling you, and I, it, a lot of leaders don't like when people ask them why, but it, if you are told to do something and you can only do what you're told to do and you don't question it, you just go and do it because that's what makes you happy. You are a follower. You are not a leader. If you ask, why are we doing this? Is there a better way? What do you hope to gain? What are you trying to achieve? Those kind of questions is coming from curious and it forces the leader to think about what they're doing as a, now I've been doing coaching and consulting for 25 years. And the question that I ask of people is what are you trying to achieve? And people will tell me what they want me to do all day long. But what I want to understand is why are you doing that? Why mm -hmm. do you, why do you want to do this? Because the, the question of why puts you in their camp. It immediately attaches you to their mission and not necessarily the mission of the organization, but their agenda mission. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it shows that you actually care. I've always said that if you really want to be successful, one is a coach and a consultant, but anywhere in life is your two things. You're a solution provider and you're a trusted advisor. Uh. The only way to be a trusted advisor is to be part of their agenda. Absolutely. Very, very well. Understand it and, and to be there to support it. Couldn't have said it better <laughs> myself, John. I mean, phenomenal discussion. So thank you, John. So you heard it. Ladies and gentlemen, just go to his website at www.crosscutter.com or just look him up on LinkedIn at John Knotts, K-N-O-T-T-S. Right? So uh, you know where to find him. And thank you so much for listening in. It was really a pleasure having this discussion, John. And we look forward to speaking you, to you again sometime soon. Awesome. So, you yes. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening in. Hope this was of value to you. If you want to reach out to John, you can find him at Crosscutter Enterprises at www.crosscutr.com and you can also find him on LinkedIn. But please join us for our next information pack episode and that's entitled Optimizing Talent for Operational Success. This is a sore point for many organizations. So you don't want to miss this episode. We have it really tight and fun-filled. So reach out to me at Tamara at TamaraNelson.com or on LinkedIn at Tamara-Nelson if you would like to be a guest or if you want to share the feedback and suggestions. And I'd really love to hear from you. Also, please share and subscribe if you found this information valuable. 
So until next time, as we say in Jamaica, walk good. <laughs> <laughs>